1: Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Today, we're here with Andrew Sloss. Andrew is the Chief Economic Development Director and the CEO for the Brookings, South Dakota Economic Development Corporation, and has been with the organization since October 2020. Before taking the CEO position, Mr. Sloss was the Managing Director at Baker Tilly, which is an international public accounting firm. In his role there, he provided economic development consulting and site selection services to clients nationwide with a focus on the Texas market. His duties included location analysis, assistance, and coordinating all aspects related to project planning and implementation, including negotiating incentives for companies looking to locate or expand across the United States. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Uh, it's great to finally connect with you. I know we've been trying to do this for a little while now.
0: Yes, I appreciate it. even uh you beat you beat Chad Chancellor with a punch, so I got to be on your show first.
1: Hey, fantastic! As long as we always get to beat Chad, um, you know we must be doing <laughs> something right. So sounds like from your bio that a you've been in this position as the chief economic development director and the CEO up there in South Dakota uh, for just about a year now. And before that, you were down in my neck of the woods in Houston doing sounds like site selection. Is that correct? Yep.
0: Yep, that's correct. That's what I was doing down in uh, down in Houston. Um, uh, really enjoyed being in Houston, but uh, I'm happy to be back uh, closer to my roots up here in South Dakota.
1: Yeah, you're from Minnesota, I hear.
0: Yep, Twin, it's just south of the Twin Cities. That's where I grew up and went, went to college here in Brookings at South Dakota State University. Go Jackrabbits! And uh, then I went back to uh, St. Paul and uh, uh, got a JD from William Mitchell College of Law in St. Paul.
1: Gotcha. So how long were you a site selector then?
0: Uh, well, officially, probably going back to 2010 when I started at, when I was with Ernst & Young um, in New York mm-hmm. City. Um, but I'd been, you know, I kind of got into site selection through the tax credits and incentive space when I started working for uh, ADP uh, out of a small New Jersey office um, in East Brunswick, which eventually moved to Princeton. Um, ADP had two kind of, two different uh, parts of the organization, uh, besides the payroll piece that everyone knows, they had a, a tax credits uh, practice and they had kind of like a negotiated incentives practice and those two groups were separate. Um, it's the negotiated side. They didn't quite do site selection, but they did, you know, the negotiated incentives around those types of projects. Um, and so I wanted to I wanted to get more on the negotiated incentive side because it was kind of more in line with my background as an attorney. Uh, so that's when I ended up going to Ernst & Young. Um, and that's where I really got involved in site selection. That was about 2010.
1: So yeah, you were around for a number of interesting projects, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yes. Yep.
1: So you made the transition to economic development. What's that transition been like for you?
0: Well, it's been really interesting, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really different working on this side of of the way the sausage is made, so to speak. So it's been interesting to kind of be on this side of things, see how, how it operates with the board, um, and understand all of the or at least trying to understand all of the ins and outs of trying to get a company to come to your community from this side of things and how difficult it can sometimes be even just to get, uh, especially in a pandemic, but um, to get a set of eyeballs in your own community.
1: Are there any sort of best practices or advice that you've brought <laughs> over from the site selection industry to economic development that like you would like to share?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I yep. I mean, yes, for sure. I don't know how much of it is going to necessarily be uh, creative of my own, of my own thoughts. But, you know, one of the things that on the site selection side of things that I always really hammered uh, or not hammered, but I always really reinforced the communities I visited with either when I was doing a project there, when I was doing like a, a, a some sort of event with, uh, with communities was the importance of marketing your community to site selectors and economic development professionals. And so um, now that I've, now that I've been in this role for a year, and I've kind of seen uh, how much we did or didn't do from a marketing perspective for Brookings and Brookings County, um, just kind of reinforces the importance of not only making sure that you are creating marketing material to promote your community, but that those materials are constantly being refreshed and improved upon and continually being sent out to site selectors. Cause it's very important um, as a site selector that you always stay top of mind for site selectors and economic development. Cause it's easy. We get, get inundated with so many different phone calls and emails and conferences and stuff that you can lose sight of it. So the more that you can be communicating what your community has to offer um, especially if you can offer more than just you know we have a great quality of life like why is why is your community so important why should we cite a project there and so that's been certainly been reinforced in my time here and is definitely a best practice um, I think also uh, a best practice too is a lot of a lot of education uh, around what economic development is and isn't when you go into your community obviously every community is going to be a little bit different um, and there's gonna be some communities I think that probably have a have a really great understanding of economic development and how that works and kind of what the pillars of economic development are. Um, And then everything down to maybe communities that don't really know much about economic development. That's not where Brookings falls, but um, I think really making sure that when you start a role as a a director or CEO of an an economic development organization, that you spend a lot of time um, reinforcing some of the very basic economic development principles, both with your board, but also with your community stakeholders.
1: Yeah, that's excellent advice. So let's talk about uh, Brookings, mm-hmm. South Dakota. Um, I can't find it on a map. So <laughs> I'm sure most of our listeners probably can't either. So tell us about where it is located and tell us about the community.
0: Yeah, Brookings, South Dakota, we're a great community. We're about 20 miles across the border from Minnesota. Um, we're about an hour from our hour straight north of Sioux Falls, about 45 minutes from the Sioux Falls uh, airport, three and a half hours to the Twin Cities. Uh, Five hours or so to Omaha, six and a half to seven hours to Kansas City. Um, For anyone who's interested in Fargo, we're three and a half, four hours to Fargo. Um, Great community. We have a long history of manufacturing going going back into the early 1900s. Dactronics is headquartered here. Larson is headquartered here. Falcon Plastics is headquartered here. Um, And then we have a number of other regional manufacturing plants. Uh, 3M has a very large plant here. Um, quality tool has a large plant here. Twin city fan, which is obviously a twin cities based company as a manufacturing plant here. Um, and then we are the, we are home to the largest university in the state of South Dakota and that's South Dakota state university, which is one of four land grant universities in the country. Um, obviously as a university, it's heavily f- focused around research, uh, around precision agriculture, uh, animal and human health, um, and a lot of other, a lot of other engineering is a big, uh, a big player on on campus there. And so, um, it's a really great place to call home. It's a great place to be from, or a place where I currently call home.
1: Excellent. Um, I imagine the weather though is a little different than Houston.
0: It's sunny and sixty-five all the time here, Dane. Don't get it. Don't get it wrong.
1: <laughs> That's right. They, they call that Chamber of Commerce weather. Is what they call that.
0: Uh, yeah, it's 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 different. It's certainly different than Houston. Um, but you know, growing up. You know, growing up as a Midwestern kid, uh, I came to, you know, the the summertime in the Midwest, that's the time that you're outside, you're going fishing, you're doing all the stuff outside. Um, When I tried doing that stuff in Houston, I almost died in the summertime. (laughs) So, um, you know, I'm happy to, as as cold as it can sometimes get here, I'm happy to trade that for being able to be outside in the the summertime without feeling like I need to be drinking a gallon of water every 10 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yep, exactly. I hear you. So what was the process like? finding the job, getting the job, all that kind of stuff. What was that like for you?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was, it was in- interesting. So when I was in Houston, you mentioned I was working for Baker Tilly. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, like a lot of people that were working in the spring of 2020, um, my employment was cut short because the layoffs were unc- Um, and that was around May sometime in May. Um, and right about the same time as I was, you know, uh, kind of circling the wagons, looking for my next job. Um, Uh, there used to be a website that I don't think it operates anymore called economicdevelopmentjobs.co or something like that. Um, And this one popped up on my listserv or whatever. And I thought to myself, wow, Brookings, it didn't occur to me that that economic development was a thing in Brookings, but which of course it it was. And so uh, my initial thought was, well, as a jackrabbit uh, alumni of SDSU, I should at least get a, I should at least get a phone interview for the job. And so um, I applied for the job. And then as I kind of researched, the role and research what had happened in Brookings since I'd graduated uh, not so long ago. Um, uh, I was really fascinated to see how much, how much growth Brookings had had had, uh, had seen uh, and all the things that had happened in Brookings since I'd last been at school here. Um, and so I was very interested. So yeah, so I mean, I had, you know, like a typical little bit more challenging around the pandemic as far as doing interviews, but there was, there was uh, two, there was like one phone call. Um with someone here in the office. And then I think there was maybe two zoom phone calls, zoom conferences with the board. Um, and then last August uh, they had, they narrowed it down to, I think three or four finalists. And so we all came, I came up here to, to Brookings for the in-person interview. And so like most economic development jobs, you know, you get the tour of the community that I was already kind of familiar with the community. And then there was, uh, I had, I, I put together a presentation about what, you know, my first 90 to 120 days might look like here at BDC. And what I hope to accomplish uh, in my first year or two in the role. And then I also did a, a kind of a Zoom community stakeholder interview where I sat in a conference room and um, didn't get to see everyone that was on the screen, of course, but people could call in and ask questions about uh, about what whatever they wanted to ask me about. So I fielded mm-hmm. questions about getting to Target and getting the Whole Foods to Brookings and all those mm-hmm. typical questions that you get. But uh, uh, and a couple weeks later, they offered me the job and I uh, moved up here in October. So
1: how much of, you know, what you did, at uh, Baker Tilly transferred directly over and how much, you know, did you have to sort of learn on the, on the ground or, or, you know, how did that play play out?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously every community is, every community is different, right? So there's things that you wouldn't, I mean, no matter how long you do economic development, you have to pick up actually being in the community, which is, these are the kinds of jobs where you have to live in the community you work in, if you want to do good at, a good job in economic development. So um, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of things translated uh, as far as, you know, when you work for a public accounting firm like Baker Tilly, um, you, you have the benefit of a vast amount of resources. So things are um, more t- typically tend to be more efficient. You have a lot more different software resources. So I was kind of able to come in here and see how things have been operated, uh, just especially from like an efficiency standpoint as an organization and be able to really step in and take some of the lessons that I learned and experience that I had at Baker Tilly and EY and some other firms and apply them here. Um, and so I've been like my first 12 months, a lot of what I've been doing and focused on here has been just making some organizational improvements internally. Um, and those are just around accounting and how we do accounting and how we do, uh, do our communications and our marketing and all that sort of stuff. We're in the process of updating our website, which will go live soon, for instance. And, and so there was a lot of overlap there, but obviously the other thing about, you know, um, as a, as a site selector, was, I spent a lot of time meeting lots of different people. So that actually comes in handy in economic development because you know, my first 90 days here, I met with, I forget the exact number, but I think I probably met with 120-ish people or 120-ish companies, depending on how you want to split it up. So my first 90 days, uh, extremely, extremely busy um, meeting people, trying to get those relationships built and introduce myself to the community.
1: Did you read any, any books or anything that was were help was helpful during this transition for you?
0: Um, gosh. Uh, well, I read. Uh, let's see. Economic development isn't for amateurs. Shout mm-hmm. out to Jay Garner and the, the folks that wrote that book, uh, which is really really a great book, not just for anyone who wants to get into economic development, but for seasoned economic development professionals. But also, um, uh, certainly would recommend you give it to your board to read and to your elected officials to read because it's a really great recap of kind of what the what the main pillars are in economic development. Um, I mean, I feel like I had a, I feel like I had an advantage as a site selector making the change because I I had so many great relationships with people that held a job similar to this job already. Um, You know, one of my, one of my really good friends and mentors is Rob Sitterly, who used to work for uh, uh, the governor's office of economic development in Florida. That's how I knew him when I was at EY. Um, I worked for him. He was my boss for a little while when I was with Merit Advisors. And now he's in uh, Texas Arcana doing economic development again. So he's been a he was a really great resource to learn from, and obviously you know uh, Dean Barber, Chad Chance, just a lot of people I've known and, and kind of admired and seen seen what they've done in their careers in economic development was a good resource. Um, and then other than that, I've been mean, Austin, kind of a I'm both a site selection economic development nerd, so I have a couple of different Google alerts set up for economic development things that I would even if, you know even if I was doing practicing law or doing something else, I'd still be going through those and reading those because I just like to keep up on what's happening. Um, and I find so much of, you know, obviously the challenges that we're facing in our country um, are very applicable to economic development in my job, but I'd be following and tracking those even if I wasn't in this in this role because I just, I find uh, that problem solving aspect of trying to solve those problems really intriguing to me. And so I try to stay on top of as much of that as I can through, uh, through LinkedIn and through other different, uh, you know, obviously to give you a plug here, you know, econ dev, uh, your news links that you send out, I'm always reviewing those. So I try to keep on top of stuff. It's harder to, it's harder to read books. I have a six year old and a two year old. So my amount of time that I get to quietly read a book is limited.
1: Totally understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, my kids are a little, a little bit older now, but uh, I recall that there was this period of time where I don't think I read a book for a while because, uh, you know, it didn't seem like I had a lot of, um, (laughs) Sort of downtime where I wasn't utterly exhausted. So I appreciate it. Exactly.
0: That. It's like two pages at a time and then I go to bed. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Um, good. So since you stay abreast of things and you're, and you're watching, are there any trends that you see? Any, you know, any movement in any direction that the industry is going or, or maybe should be going and isn't going?
0: Um, well, I mean, I think, I, I mean, obviously I'm, on this one, I probably am not going to be breaking any new ground either, but I think we saw, especially in the pandemic uh, – um, and as COVID kind of is going back up, you know, the use of the use of Zoom, the use of virtual tours, the use of uh, not, you know, technology was kind of already going that way with economic development. But I really feel like in a lot of ways, the pandemic kind of kicked that into high gear for economic development organizations to do. Uh, I mean, I've, at least I've seen from from talking to friends and seeing stuff on LinkedIn, uh, a lot more use of uh, uh, high quality video. Um, whether it's immersive video or some sort of 3D video where people are, can sit in their offices and do put on the virtual headset and do a tour of a facility. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, some, some companies have, have spent the money to put together a virtual spec building, which I find really, really fascinating. Um, uh, that'd be something that I would like us to possibly do here at some point here in Brookings uh, once we can get a, a place where that spec building could possibly go in Brookings. Um, because you can, because you, you know, with that spec building, you can play around with it and you can make it into kind of whatever you want it to be for the audience that you're kind of showing it to. So I think that'd be really great. Um, I think that's a trend that will continue. Um, you know, it's still hard to say long-term if that will, if that will take hold <clears throat> just because, <clears throat> excuse me, site selection is such a in-person business industry. Um, so it's, it's sometimes at, at some point you still got to go out there. You still got to see the sites. You still got to see the community. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, You know, as a former site selector, I would say it will probably be more favorable to do more of the virtual stuff to take it easy on the travel schedule, because obviously your travel schedule as a site selector can be pretty intense. Um, So, you know, I I think right now with the pandemic, there's lots of opportunities for economic development organizations to break new ground Um, between the challenges that we're having with affordable housing and some of the daycare issues and the labor shortage across the country. There is some opportunity for innovation. Um, it's just a matter of you know having the having the foresight to put those things into place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, are you bullish on the country as a whole, or or do you think that we're going to take this that COVID is sort of put us you know um, on in a in the maybe a slower uh, direction, or do you think that things are going you know are really going to boom out out of this?
0: Man, you know it's 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 hard to tell. You know, South Dakota as a state. We've act, we've done very very well uh, economically um, coming out of the pandemic, and even in the pandemic. Um, you know, as a state, uh, South Dakota didn't shut down. Um, we didn't have a statewide mass mandate, um, and so as far as recovery from the pandemic as a state, we're doing very very well. I think we rank we rank in the top one, two, or even three, depending on how you depending on the metrics of of the top states for economic growth uh, in the last year which is great for South Dakota. We've been getting a lot of activity. We've been seeing a lot of people interested in South Dakota because of that. Um, It's just so hard to tell though, right? Because there's so many different uh, things the pandemic is impacting. It's impacting supply chain, obviously, which everyone knows about. But it's then created this labor shortage. But then there's this daycare crisis that a lot of people aren't able to work because they can't find daycare. And then the challenge with a lot of us in economic development is, okay, well, let's recruit workforce to our state or to our our region. Okay, well, where are they going to (laughs) live? Well, okay, now we got to, affordable housing. We have to have an inventory of housing. So there's all of these things that all just like an economic development, which is one reason why I like it so much is it's kind of this inner web of different connected things. And so, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer in this country. I'm a believer that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So I, I feel like whenever we come out of this, that we will be stronger. And we're going to, we're going to come out with solutions to these problems, but I just, I think it's just going to take a little bit longer to come up with an answer.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. It seems like every day, um, you know, it, It sort of flip-flops in my mind. Mm -hmm. Some days we're up, some days we're down and they're all challenges and you're right. Whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And I think that, I think ultimately we're going to, we're going to find our footing and we're going to go the right direction. And and I think this just sped everything up. I think this moved us. Yeah. Um, You mentioned, let's see. Oh, you, you, uh, you mentioned that you had this idea um, of something Uh like Yelp or Glassdoor for um, for EDO professionals to sort of review the cities. Was that an issue for you? Um, you know, when you were doing your job search? Um,
0: no, but I just, you know, I just was thinking, you know, it's so hard, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, well, I've been primarily a site selector, uh, you know, over the course of the last two or three years, I've periodically, you know, been looking for work, um, due to layoffs. And so I've, I've applied to economic development jobs. And so sometimes it can get, it's really hard to get a feel for what a community is like. Um, And if you don't, if you don't make it to that final round of an interview where you get to visit the community, you still don't really understand like what the community is like. I mean, you can Google all you want, you can watch so many videos and podcasts and all you want to do, but you can't get a really feel for it, including, you know, you know, because at least in my experience, when I've gone through the interview process, it's been hard to get a feel, even when I've gotten to the finalist stages, you know, what is the, what is, what is is the board makeup of the organization? How is the board appointed? Are they appointed? Is it a lifetime appointment? Um, You know how, you know, more around how is the organization funded more specifically? Like, can I see it? You know, now Brookings was different. Brookings, let me see a copy of the budget when I got down to the final mm-hmm. stage, but most of the other places I've been to as a finalist, I didn't get a chance to see the budget um, to understand like how much is my marketing budget going to be if I take this job. Right. And so, and I'm not saying like all of that would necessarily be on, on glass door, but certainly if you had like a glass door for economic development, but, it would, give, it would give people who, are, who have maybe left that organization an opportunity to just provide insight into the organization for someone coming in to say, hey, you know, if you take this job, here's some things about the community that are, that are good, that are bad, that are neutral, that you should be aware of before you take the job. Because it can be really hard to, to kind of suss those things out uh, in a job search. And I think, especially when I was on site selection, you know, I would work in these communities where I'd be working in a community for like two years on a project and I would see two or three economic development directors turn over in that community. So I never really, I I never knew why it didn't necessarily matter to me. It's only mattered to my clients a little bit. They got a little concerned when that, when stuff like that would happen, but um, there are some communities where that happens so frequently. And sometimes obviously there's always personalities between the director and the board and maybe the director and other city officials. But I mean, I think creating something like that would be really helpful. I mean, you'd have to have some sort of, you know, something in place so that if someone had gotten fired from their job, they're just not going to go out there like you see on Glassdoor.
1: Right, right.
0: And just blast an organization. But I mean, I think I, and maybe those of you, those of you listening to this will, will email me and say, no, that would be stupid. But I can see how it would be value to people, especially those who are first trying to get into economic development for the first time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I know so many economic developers that were, you know, excellent at, you know, what they did and the boards were just not right and it was just not a good fit and right. boom, they were gone. And from the outside, you would never understand what the issue was. So that's, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good idea.
0: Maybe there's a future business venture for us there, Dean.
1: That's right. I like future business ventures.
0: Copyrighted. <laughs> Sloss Carlson.
1: <laughs> that's right. I like it. The other thing you said in your pre-interview, let's see, was that the important thing that you've learned, especially over the last five years is that you have to do what's right for you and your family. You want to talk about that? I think that is an excellent point.
0: <laughs> as long as you edit, so don't get in trouble with anyone when this airs. Yeah, um, no problem. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, most of my life, I, you know, I kind of just went through life thinking, you know, if I do good work, and I do a good job, I'm always going to have a job. Uh, probably a little bit of uh, youthful hubris there. But, um, and then when I finally went through my first, first layoff a number of years ago or, you know, five years ago, whatever it was, and I just, it was so surprising because it wasn't expected and, And all of a sudden, I found myself just having moved to new a new community. Just bought a house, uh, moved my wife and my daughter there, and then I was looking for work. Right, and so um, it just became evident. Just just become evident even even at my time in public accounting, um, going back to my time uh, at UI. That um, in the end, no no one in that organization is going to, in any organization is going to look out for you as an individual and as and as for your family, and so. Uh, you know, if 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 you move into a job and you just started there, and right away you don't get along with your boss, or it's not a it's not a healthy work environment for you, you know what you got? That's you got to do what's in the best interest of you. And and if you need to leave someplace after only being there for a month, in order to for your mental health, or to take another job, or even not to take another job because this was not good for you, then you need to do that because no one else is going to do that for you. Um, and in my experience, you know. I've had some really great bosses and really great mentors and they looked after me pretty good, but ultimately like what happened with me at Baker Tilly was the decision to uh, lay me off along with 200 people. wasn't my boss's decision and it wasn't even her boss's decision. It wasn't even her boss's boss's decision. It mm-hmm. came from much higher up the organization. So, you know, none of those people that actually make those decisions, you know, they don't, they don't care that you, you know, the that you have two little kids and that your wife can't work because you can't find daycare or these different things. And so, you know, you have to do what's best for you and for your family. Uh, and if you don't have a family, then you just got to do what's best for you. And so it, it's a rare situation where you're going to find an organization that's going to truly embrace that sort of culture. So ultimately you just have to make the right decisions that are, that are right for you as an individual.
1: Right. And, you know, we're economic <laughs> development is, is a profession that, that can be temperamental. Um, yep. you know, your, your boards can change, the dynamics can change and one minute you're loved and the next minute you're hated. Right. Um, so yeah, you always have to sort of be look on the lookout for yourself and your family and yep. you can't let your emotional attachment to the community, you know, you do you work so hard for the community yeah. and you know, it's the greatest place on the planet. And you, you spend all this time being the cheerleader. And then when that turns you know, you, you gotta be able to separate those two and, and say, you know what, I'm a professional. I can do this anywhere. I'm going to go yeah. where, you know, I can be. So that's excellent advice. Good.
0: Well, and I, if Dan, if you don't mind me just hopping on there, just, I mean, I think I've never, I haven't been through that on the economic development side of things because this is really my first, first gig, sure. but I mean, I can see when you say that, I can see how hard it would be because you're so invested in your community and you're so invested in the programming and the initiatives you're undertaking um, that, whether it's voluntarily or not voluntarily, if you were to have to leave an or I mean, it's just hard to leave those things behind and move on. So, But yeah. sometimes you have to do what you have to do, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, what's been more rewarding? I mean, you've only been an economic developer for a year, but um, on the sites, being on the site selection side, working in the big organizations, or working um, there at a small organization like in Brookings?
0: I don't know if I could pick, pick one or the other. I think they're they're both rewarding hold on someone's calling me sorry um Mm -hmm. they're both i mean they're both equally rewarding but just in very different ways um you know as an economic development professional i get to wake up every day of my life um, and make it and have the potential to make a difference in in my community every single day that i wake up and go to work um that isn't the case as a site selector um because you're not working in your own community you're working in other communities and You never work in the same community twice or if you are doing it twice then it's because it's a huge city right um so in that sense it's very very rewarding um you know the ability to really kind of affect change in the communities that you live in and the communities you care about are also really almost almost kind of addictive i would imagine and like i said this is my first first gig i hope it's a long-term gig here at brookings but um that's kind of an addictive part And a rewarding part of it is being able to make that change and interact with so many different people who want to see change in your community. Um, And so that's really great on the site selection side, though, at the same time, um, you know, and that was, and that's kind of one reason why I got into economic development was because I was able to do some site selection projects where the project actually was making a real difference in those communities because we were bringing 200 jobs to a community that, you know, needed the 200 jobs Mm -hmm. in order to survive. And so that was really rewarding um, to see that. And of course, you know, as a site selector, you get to travel so so frequently, which is good and bad, of course. But you get to meet so many different people, so many different communities, large, small, medium. You get to work on so many different projects, so that so that's also rewarding on that sense because it's challenging. Um, not that economic development isn't challenging, because Lord knows economic development is plenty challenging. So, I mean, they're both really re- rewarding. Obviously, uh, private sector. You know, if you like making money, that's probably the the better place for you to go. Um, not that you can't make not that you can't get paid well in economic development, um, but those are, you know, those are typically like my job as the, as the CEO or director of an organization. And then, you know um, you typically have to be in a a medium to larger size city to make that work for you. But um, it just depends on what you're interested in from a, from a rewarding perspective when it comes to work.
1: Excellent advice. If our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get into contact with you?
0: Uh, well, my email address is andrew at brookingsedc.com. You can send me an email there. You uh, obviously I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn and i certainly anyone who listens to this, please connect with me. Um, always looking to connect with more economic development professionals, site selectors. Anyone who wants to connect with me there, you can uh, connect with me, send me a, a message there. Um, otherwise uh, you know, you can go to our, our website is uh, brookingsedc.com. Um, now, that website's going to look a lot different in about a month from now, but for right now, that's what we're working with. Um, otherwise, I will, my plan is to be in Nashville in a couple of weeks for IEDC. So you can try to find me there in that mass of people. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, uh, I'm not going to give out my cell phone number, but uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, I've really appreciated you being on the show today. And I have tickets to the IEDC conference in a couple of weeks. So I don't know if I'm going to be there, but. I definitely have tickets to go. So um, (laughs) maybe I'll see you.
0: All right. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to uh, meeting you in person sometime soon.
1: Absolutely. Me too. All right. Bye-bye.